Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for this morning's meditation is recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. To get us back in that text, I'd like to read just verse 2 for you once again. Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Lord, these are your words and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, what do you do if you have to find a certain location, you have to get to somebody's house or a specific address? It's pretty easy nowadays, isn't it? You just type the address into your GPS device on the car, type it into your phone, and voila, you have directions right there in front of you. In fact, the electronics are so good that they'll even guide us every step of the way, every mile of that path, every turn to get us to the specific location, to get us to the precise address, right? It's quite a bit removed from old-fashioned techniques. Some of you maybe remember just a few decades ago having to use maps, right? Maybe some of you still do. How difficult that can be to navigate using a map. Hard to maybe even imagine, even if we go back further, people navigating not just by maps, but even by the stars, right? especially ships out on the ocean or large bodies of water, being guided by the North Star, various constellations, to figure out where they're supposed to go. In our lesson for this morning, we have these wise men that also are guided by the stars. But not in a natural way, not in the normal way, but really a miraculous star that God had given to them. We consider this truth that the Savior is revealed by a star. There's really a lot of questions that come to mind when we look at our texts, really wondering who these wise men are, really wondering what this star is, and perhaps even wondering how did they even know to follow the star and to know its significance and what it meant for them. We take up that first question, really thinking about who these men are. In our text, they're referred to as wise men, but we just sang them that they were also referred to as magi too. We're used to that term. In fact, that term is a bit more close to the term used in the original Greek as well. What does that term magi remind us of? It's very close to an English word, isn't it? Magi reminds us of magic. In fact, these individuals are sometimes referred to as magicians. But who were they? The scriptures record for us a number of instances of magicians or magi And it really makes clear that they were quite often advisors to kings. We think about King Pharaoh, right? When Moses went to go and asked him to let his people go, to let God's people go, we hear that Pharaoh has a number of magicians there. Those who are skilled in the dark arts and they do kind of amazing signs in front of Moses, who's also performing signs. Later on in the scriptures, we hear of Daniel and his friends, when they're hauled off in exile in Babylon, that they join the magician class, the class of wise men or magi in Babylon. But here, Daniel and his friends aren't concerned with the dark arts, but really with the sciences, and gaining knowledge and wisdom to really inform their king. That's the way we should understand these men today. These wise men come as very scholarly, knowledgeable men, knowledgeable in the sciences and in astronomy. 
studying of the stars, and have come from a distant land. What is that star that they saw? There's a lot of theories about it. Some wonder if perhaps it was a constellation. In fact, a constellation of planets that only appears every 800 years or so. It said that in 6 BC, two years before the birth of Christ, which is recorded in 4 BC, that there is a constellation of planets, Jupiter and Mars and Saturn coming together, and many wonder, is that what they saw in the sky? Perhaps, we don't know. But we do certainly know it was a miracle of God that he sent this star. But also, to help them understand the significance of the star, what it meant. It's one thing to notice something strange in the sky going on, but completely another thing to connect that star with the birth of a king, the king of the Jews. And here too, we don't know. Did God inform them directly by the Holy Spirit that this star signified the birth of the king of the Jews, or was it through studying the scriptures? Perhaps looking at Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, that says, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. It is very clear, though, that they did know the significance. They recognized that that star meant the birth of the king of the Jews, and for them, much more. If you think about it, the wise men really went through a lot of work, didn't they? Went through a lot of trouble to go and find this young child, the Christ. They must have known the significance, right? To leave their very prestigious jobs behind, to gather their resources, to buy supplies, to be away from their homes and their jobs for many, many months, travel such a long way, and as we know, those gifts as well, the resources behind all of that. How foolish it would be for them to do all of that work but not really understand why they're doing it. Perhaps we sometimes feel a similar way when it comes to our own religion. Being Christians is a lot of work in some ways. As we think about all the work and effort put into making sure the kids and the family wake up on Sunday morning every week to come to church, the time and effort it takes to go to Sunday school and Bible class, to put in time serving, maybe refreshments or on boards or on other uh, special committees or serving needs for the church. A lot of time and effort put into our religion. Why? Do we just do it because, well, that's what we've always done or that's what mom and dad did? It's just tradition. Maybe just kind of go through those motions. Imagine that if you came home from work one day and you were hungry, you saw a jar of peanut butter out on the counter, and so you said, okay, I'm going to take that peanut butter and get a couple slabs of bread and put the peanut butter on there, take the plate out of the cupboard and, and put the peanut butter sandwich down, maybe cut it in two halves and lay it down on the table, drop the dirty knife in the sink, and you sit down to the table, and you realize... You know, I don't like peanut butter sandwiches at all. <laughs> Why go through all that work, right? If, if it's not something that you appreciate and you enjoy. So too in the church. Why go through all the trouble, what it means to be a Christian? Why go through all of those motions without understanding the significance? Certainly there is far greater significance than merely tradition, than merely the habit of going to church that we learn from our parents. But like the wise men, 
God would have us know why we come. We too come to see our Savior, to come and see our King, and to worship Him. It's how shocked the wise men must have been, though, when they arrived in Jerusalem. As they took all of these resources and time and effort to come and follow the star, to come and to see this one who is known as the King of the Jews, when they come to his own people, to the capital city of Jerusalem, nobody knows what they're talking about. Nobody's been searching for them. Nobody, nobody knows anything about this birth. But thankfully, finally, they're able to have counsel with King Herod there, who is also quite shocked. Quite shocked, what? Another king? A king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews, certainly Herod must have thought. He wanted to know more about this. And he goes to his scribes, his advisors. It's interesting in our text, they know exactly where to go. They go to the scriptures and what do they find there? The details. The king of the Jews, the Messiah, was to be born in Bethlehem in Judah. It was all right there, right in front of them in black and white. It's kind of interesting for us to think about too. It's amazing that these wise men were given such a miracle of God, right? To give, given the sign in the sky, the star to follow. Perhaps maybe we wish for such miracles, that God would appear to us in visions and dreams and show us miraculous signs to convince, him of, convince us of his truth. But where were the specific details? Where were the specific details that provided more clarity than even the star itself? It was right there all along in God's word. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that declared where the Savior was to be born. Specifically, in Bethlehem, that's where they would find him. And how significant that is for us, too. As we can wish for signs and miracles, but God has given us everything we need in his word. The specifics are all right there for us to read, appreciate, and take to heart. Think of the rich man when he was suffering in hell. What did he request of Abraham? That he do. Send back Lazarus from the dead, that my brothers might believe, that they might repent of their sins. And how did Abraham respond? They have Moses and the prophets, God's word. They have that. Let them listen to them. The rich man persisted, No, no, Father Abraham, they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, but if someone would rise from the dead, then they'll pay attention, then they'll listen. But what does Abraham say? If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they listen if someone was to rise even from the dead. We think about that truth. We don't need miraculous signs to appear in front of our eyes. We don't need visions and dreams. We have God's word right in front of us that tells us everything we need to know about this child. The same one that the wise men also went to go see, to go and to worship him. The joy must have filled their hearts then as they headed on their path down to Bethlehem and all of a sudden the star appears for them once again. Oh, God is still revealing that sign to them. And that star brings them to the exact location, the exact house where the child is with his mother, Mary. And these great men these advisors to kings, very prestigious, who had just been in the council of King Herod, what do they do? Enjoy. They come 
and bow down on their hands and knees in front of a baby and in the front of a little child. These very prestigious men bowing down in front of him. Why? Because they know the significance of who he is. He's not just the king of the Jews. He's their king. He's their savior. He's their Messiah. This day, Epiphany is celebrated by some Christians in the world as Christmas. In fact, this day, Epiphany Day, has sometimes been called the Christmas for the Gentiles. And why? Well, it's the very first record of Gentiles, non-Jewish people, recognizing the Savior, recognizing the Christ child, the Messiah, who has been born. If you think about it, when the baby was born in Bethlehem, who was there? Mary and Joseph, Jews. The shepherds heard about it from the angel, also Jews living there in Bethlehem. Jewish people heard the good news there in that same town, but now finally Gentiles, non-Jewish people, hear the good news of the Savior who was born, not just as a king for the Jews, but a king and Savior and a Messiah for them. And so for us here today, who don't have Jewish blood flowing through our veins, what good news to know that this child has been born for you and for me, for us. This child is our Savior from sin, that all who trust in him shall be saved. And how also did the wise men respond? Not just by bowing down in front of him to worship, but also giving those big gifts, right? Not just pocket change, not just leftovers, but gifts fit for a king of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Certainly there was very practical purposes for those things. Many wonder if Joseph used those gifts to provide for him and his family when they took flight to Egypt. The real reason they're given is to honor one who is the king, the Messiah. As we have every reason to worship the Christ child, to worship the one who is the king, our savior, to bring him our gifts as well. It's what a reason we have to go to church, to go through all of that work because we know the one whom we worship, our God, our king, our savior, Jesus Christ. As God has given us some pretty amazing technological advances in our modern era to figure out where to go and how to get there quickly, right? How quite amazing that God gave an amazing miracle to these wise men to guide them specifically to the Christ child. But for us, he hasn't promised such miracles. Instead, he has given it to us in his plain word, the very word of God that testifies to our Savior, Jesus Christ. May we take hope and comfort in that same word and realize that he is also our Savior, the Savior for the Gentiles. Yes, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas for the Gentiles on this Epiphany Sunday. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and never shall be forevermore. Amen.